listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to interact with other individuals who are listening and following along and share your own reflections with them. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 167, and we are reading Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 19, Paragraphs 585 to 595. Chapter 19. Most Holy Mary and Joseph depart with the infant Jesus in order to fulfill the law by presenting him in the temple of Jerusalem. 585. Already the forty days after the birth of a son during which a woman, according to the law, was considered unclean, and during which she was obliged to continue her purification for her readmittance into the temple, were coming to a close. Leviticus 22.4 In order to comply with this law and satisfy another obligation contained in Exodus chapter 13, which demanded the sanctification and presentation to the Lord of all the firstborn sons, the mother of all purity prepared to go to Jerusalem, where she was to appear in the temple with her son as the only begotten of the Eternal Father, and purify herself according to the custom of other women. She had no doubts about complying with that part of the law, which applied to herself in common with other mothers. Not that she was ignorant of her innocence and purity, for ever since the incarnation of the Word, she knew of her exemption from actual sin and from the stain of original sin. Nor was she ignorant of the fact that she had conceived by the Holy Ghost, and brought forth without labor, remaining a virgin more pure than the Son. Luke 1.15 Yet she imitated not to subject herself to the common law. On the contrary, in the ardent longing of her heart after humiliation and annihilation to the dust, she desired to do this of her own free will. 5.86 In regard to the presentation of her Most Holy Son, there was some occasion for the same doubt as in regard to the circumcision, for she knew him to be true God, superior to the laws which he himself had made. But she was informed of the will of the Lord by divine light and by the interior acts of the Most Holy Soul of the Incarnate Word. For she saw his desire of sacrificing himself and offering himself as a living victim, Ephesians 5.2, to the Eternal Father. In thanksgiving, for having formed his most pure body and created his most holy soul, for having destined him as an acceptable sacrifice for the human race and for the welfare of mortals, 
These acts of the most sacred humanity of the word were continual, conforming himself to the divine will, not only in so far as he was already beatified, but also in so far as he was still a wayfarer upon earth and our Redeemer. Yet, in addition to these interior acts and in obedience to the law, he wished to be offered to the Eternal Father in the temple, where all adored and magnified him, as in a house of prayer, expiation, and sacrifice. Deuteronomy 12, 5. 587. The great lady conferred about the journey with her husband, and having resolved to be in Jerusalem on the very day appointed by the law, and having made the necessary preparations, they took leave of the good woman, who had so devotedly entertained them. Although this woman was left in ignorance of the divine mysteries connected with her guests, she was filled with the blessings of heaven, which brought her abundant fruit. Mary and Joseph betook themselves to the cave of the Nativity, not wishing to begin their journey without once more venerating that sanctuary so humble and yet so rich in happiness, though at that time this was yet unknown to the world. The mother handed the child Jesus to St. Joseph in order to prostrate herself and worship the earth which had been witness to such venerable mysteries. Having done this with incomparable devotion and tenderness, she said to her husband, My master, give me thy benediction for this journey, as thou art wont to do at departing from home. I beseech thee also to allow me to perform this journey on foot and unshod, since I am to bear in my arms the victim, which is to be offered to the Eternal Father. This is a mysterious work, and as far as it is possible, I should wish to perform it with due reverence and ceremony. Our queen was accustomed, for the sake of modesty, to wear shoes, which covered her feet and served as a part of stocking. They were made of a certain plant used by the poor and something like hemp or mallow, dried and woven into a coarse and strong texture, which, though poor, was yet cleanly and appropriate. 588. St. Joseph told her to arise, for she was kneeling before him, and said, May the Most High Son of the Eternal Father, whom I hold in my arms, give thee his blessing. As for the rest, it is well and good that thou journey afoot in bringing him to Jerusalem. But thou must not go barefoot, because the weather does not permit it, and thy desire will be accepted by the Lord instead of the dead. Thus St. Joseph, in order not to deprive Most Holy Mary of the joy of humiliation and obedience, made use of his authority as husband, although with great reverence, and as St. Joseph only obeyed her and humiliated and mortified himself in commanding her, it happened that both of them exercised humility and obedience reciprocally, that he refused her permission to go barefoot to Jerusalem was occasioned by his apprehensions, lest the cold should injure her health. For he did not know the wonderful qualities and composition of her virginal and perfect body, nor the other privileges conferred upon her by the divine right hand. The obedient queen made no reply to the orders of her husband, and obeyed his wish not to go unshod. In order to again receive in her arms the infant Jesus, she prostrated herself on the earth, thanking him and adoring him for the blessings which he had wrought for them, and for the whole human race in that cave. She besought his majesty that this sanctuary be held in esteem and reverence by the Catholics, that it remain in their possession, and she again placed it in charge of the holy angel, who had been set as its guardian. She covered herself with a cloak for a journey, and receiving in her arms the treasure of heaven, she pressed him to her breast, 
tenderly shielding him from the inclemency of the wintry weather. 589. They departed from the cave, asking the blessing of the infant God, whom his majesty gave them in a visible manner. St. Joseph placed upon the ass the chest containing the clothes of the infant and the gifts of the kings destined for their temple offering. Thus began the most solemn procession which was ever held from Bethlehem to the temple in Jerusalem. For in the company with the Prince of Eternities, Jesus, the Queen, his mother, and St. Joseph, her spouse, journeyed the ten thousand angels that had assisted at these mysteries and the other legions that had brought them from heaven, the sweet and holy name of Jesus at the circumcision. All these heavenly courtiers passed along in visible forms so beautiful and shining that in comparison with them all that is delightful or precious in the world is less than dirt or mud compared to the finest and purest gold. And in their splendor they obliterated the sun in its brightest light and would have turned night into the brightest day. The heavenly queen and St. Joseph rejoice in their effulgence, while all of them together exalted these mysteries by new canticles of praise in honor of the divine child about to be presented in the temple. In this fashion they journeyed the two leagues from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. 590. On this occasion, not without divine dispensation, the weather was unusually severe, so that without regard for the tender child, its creator, the cold and sleety blasts pierced to his shivering limbs and caused the divine infant to weep as it rested in the arms of his loving mother. Being, however, moved thereto more by his compassion and love for men than by the effects of the inclemency of the weather upon his body, the mighty empress turned to the winds and elements, and as a mistress of creation reprehended them with indignation, that they should thus persecute their maker. She commanded them to moderate their rigor toward the child, but not toward her. The elements obeyed the commands of their true and rightful mistress. The cold blasts were changed into a soft and balmy air for the infant, without diminishing their inclemency toward the mother. Thus she herself felt it, but not her infant, as on the other occasions already mentioned and yet to be mentioned. She addressed also sin, which she had not contracted, and said, O sin, how most disorderly and inhuman art thou, since in order to satisfy for thee the creator of all things is afflicted by the very creatures which he has made and preserves in being. Thou art a terrible and horrible monster, offensive to God and destructive of creatures. Thou turnest them into abominations and deprivest them of the greatest happiness, that of being friends of God. O children of men, how long will you be so heavy-hearted as to love vanity and deceit? Be not so ungrateful toward the Most High and so cruel to yourselves. Open your eyes and recognize your dangers. Do not despise the precepts of your eternal Father, and do not forget the teachings of your mother, who brought you forth by charity. For since the only begotten the Father has assumed flesh in my womb, he has made me the mother of all creation. As such, I love you, and if it were possible, and according to the will of the Most High, that I suffer all the punishments visited upon you from the time of Adam until now, I would accept them with pleasure." 591. During the journey of Our Lady with the infant God, it happened in Jerusalem that Simeon, the high priest, was enlightened by the Holy Ghost concerning the coming of the incarnate word and his presentation in the temple of the arms of his mother. 
The same revelation was given to the holy widow Anne, and she was also informed of the poverty and suffering of St. Joseph, and the most pure lady on their way to Jerusalem. These two holy persons, immediately conferring with each other about their revelations and enlightenments, called the chief procurator of the temporal affairs of the temple, and describing to him the signs whereby he should recognize the holy travelers. They ordered him to proceed to the gate leading out to Bethlehem, and receive them into his house with all benevolence and hospitality. This the procurator did, and thus the queen and her spouse were much relieved, since they had been anxious about finding a proper lodging for the divine infant. Leaving them well provided in his house, the fortunate host returned in order to report to the high priest. 5.92. On that evening, before they retired, Most Holy Mary and Joseph conferred with each other about what they were to do. The most prudent lady reminded him that it was better to bring the gifts of the kings on that same evening to the temple in order to be able to make the offering in silence and without noisy demonstration, as was proper with all donations and sacrifices, and that on the way he might procure the two turtle doves, which on the next day were to be the public offering for the infant Jesus. St. Joseph complied with her request. As a stranger and one little known, he gave the myrrh, incense, and gold to the one who usually received such gifts for the temple. But St. Joseph took care not to reveal himself to any as the donor of these great presents. Although he could have bought the lamb, which the rich usually offered for their firstborn, he chose not to do so, because the humble and poor apparel of the mother and the child, as well as of the husband, would not have agreed with a public offering as valuable as that of the rich. Matthew 8.20 In no particular did the mother of wisdom deem it befitting to depart from the poverty and humility, even under the cover of a pious and honorable intention. For in all things she was the teacher of perfection, and her most holy son that of holy poverty, in which she was born, lived, and died. 593. Simeon, as St. Luke tells us, was a just and God-fearing man, and was hoping in the consolation of Israel, Luke 2.24. The Holy Ghost, who dwelt in him, had revealed to him that he should not taste death until he had seen Christ the Lord. Moved by the Holy Spirit, he came to the temple, for in that night, besides the revelations he had already received, he was again divinely enlightened and made to understand more clearly the mysteries of the incarnation and redemption of man, the fulfillment of the prophecies of Isaiah, that a virgin should conceive and bear a son, and that from the root of Jesse a flower should blossom, namely Christ, Isaiah 7.14. Likewise, all the rest contained in these and other prophecies, he received a clear understanding of the hypostatic union of the two natures in the person of the Word, and of the mysteries of the passion and death of the Redeemer. Thus instructed in these two high things, St. Simeon was lifted up and inflamed with the desire of seeing the Redeemer of the world. On the following day, then, as soon as he had received notice that Christ was coming to present himself in the temple to the Father, he was carried in spirit to the temple. For so great is the force of divine enlightenment, whereupon succeeded that which I shall relate in the following chapter. Also the holy matron Anne was favored with a revelation during the same night concerning many of these mysteries, and great was the joy of her spirit on that account. For as I have said in the first part of this history, she had been the teacher of our queen during her stay in the temple. The evangelist tells us that she never left the temple ground, serving it day and night in prayer and fasting. Luke one twenty seven that she was a prophetess, a daughter of Samuel, of the tribe of Asser. 
She had lived seven years with her husband and was now 80 years old. As will be seen, she spoke prophetically of the child's future. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven gave me. 594. My daughter, one of the misfortunes which deprive souls of happiness, or at least diminish it, is that they content themselves with performing good works, negligently or without fervor, as if they were engaged in things unimportant or merely accidental. On account of this ignorance and meanness of heart, few of them arrive at an intimate friendship of God, which they can attain only by fervent love. This is called fervent precisely because of its similarity to boiling water. For just as water is made to boil and foam by the fire, so the soul, by the sweet violence of the divine conflagration of love, is raised above itself, and above all created things, as well as above its own doings. In loving, it is more and more inflamed, and from this very love springs an unquenchable affection, which makes the soul despise and forget all earthly things, while at the same time it becomes dissatisfied with all temporal goodness. And as the human heart, when it does not attain what it dearly loves, if that attainment is possible, is inflamed with ever greater desire of reaching it by other means. Therefore, the loving soul finds ever new things to strive after for the sake of the beloved, and all service will seem to it but little. Thus it will pass from good will to a perfect will, and from this to what will please the Lord still more, until it arrives at the most intimate union with him, and at a perfect confirmation with the will of God. 595. Hence thou wilt understand, my dearest, why I desired to go barefooted to the temple, carrying at the same time my most holy son in order to present him there, and why I also wish to comply with the law of the purification, for urged on by my love, which incessantly demanded what was most perfect and agreeable to the Lord, I sought the fullness of perfection in all my doings. It was precisely this anxiety which created in me such a desire of excellence in all my works, labor to imitate me with all diligence in all that I did. For I assure thee, my dear, that it is this exercise of thy love which the Most High is desiring and expecting of thee, and as is mentioned by the spouse in the Canticles. Canticle 2.9 He is watching thee so closely at hand that not more than a slight screen intervenes between the soul and its vision of the Lord. Enamored and drawn onward, he approaches closely to the souls who thus love and serve him in all things, while he withdraws from the lukewarm and negligent ones, or deals with them only according to the general rules of his divine providence. Do thou aspire continually to the most pure and perfect in the practice of virtues, and study and invent new schemes and projects of love, so that all the forces of thy interior and exterior faculties continue to be zealously occupied in what is most exalted and excellent in the service of the Lord. At the same time, mention all these affections to thy spiritual father, and subject them to the obedience and advice of thy counselor, following his instructions, for this will always be the most preferable and secure way. This concludes our reading today for day number 167. Today we read from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 19, Paragraphs 585 to 595. There's so much to talk about in today's reading. I have lots of check marks. So you might wonder, how is it that I give my little reflections every day? That as I read, because I'm encountering this text for the first time, so I can't be prepared when I give these remarks. So as I'm reading, I'll make check marks in the margin 
and sometimes even underline what it is that I want to speak about. And so there are several today. So let's get started. I really enjoyed in our very opening today in paragraph 585, the title of Our Lady as she was referred to, the mother of all purity, prepare to go to Jerusalem. Now she's going to be purified. This is what the Levitical law says she has to do. But she has already been purified by the anticipation of the cross of Jesus. In her immaculate conception, she was cleansed. She has no need to be purified, but she is the mother of all purity and undergoes this simply because it is required of her out of obedience to what it is that she is supposed to do. Mary's purity is something that can inspire a generation of people that really struggle with purity. We see lots of different sins and all of that regarding purity uh, out there in the world, kind of the assault against purity and chastity and such. It's a good title for us to invoke and to ask Our Lady to pray for us. Nor was she ignorant of the fact that she had conceived by the Holy Ghost and brought forth without labor, remaining a virgin more pure than the sun. This is the perpetual virginity of Mary. I like pointing those out, these references, just because this emphasizes our Catholic belief that Mary was a virgin before, during, and after the birth of Christ. And what did that birth during, that virginity during the birth of Christ, what did that look like? Here we have without labor. We hear that today. I beseech thee also to allow me to perform this journey on foot and unshod, since I am to bear in my arms the victim which is to be offered to the Eternal Father. Jesus being presented in the temple, he is being already referred to as the victim, the offering. Well, Jesus will be the victim. When he dies on the cross, that's his victimhood. And so he is the one who takes on all sin. Then we hear also today about the offering that they could offer. They could have offered the lamb. They had enough from the gifts of the kings, but they were poor in appearance and offered the turtle doves instead. But why do they not have to offer the lamb? Because the very lamb of God, who John the Baptist will point out, is there being offered in the temple and presented to the Lord God Almighty. There's no need to present a lamb because Jesus is the lamb of God. Thus began the most solemn procession which was ever held from Bethlehem to the temple in Jerusalem. For in company with the prince of the eternities, Jesus the queen, his mother, and St. Joseph, her spouse, journeyed with the ten thousand angels that had assisted them, and other legions, and so forth. Great is this procession. Think about that movement. We have processions. We process in and out of church Every Sunday, the priest does. Servers, candles, etc. And what is, where is the priest going? To the altar to offer sacrifice, just as they are going to offer sacrifice. We have that procession that happened really on Good Friday. Jesus processing up Mount Calvary to be that victim. 
Today we have Eucharistic processions. We take the Blessed Sacrament around outside, bringing Christ into the world. The procession of Mary to Elizabeth to that home. But this here, Maria Vagrida says, thus began the most solemn procession. Every other procession, not as solemn as this one. The mighty empress turned to the winds and elements, and as a mistress of creation, reprehended them with indignation that they should thus persecute their maker. She commanded them to moderate their rigor toward the child, but not toward her. We know that in the public ministry of Jesus, that he is going to command the waters and the seas, that he has authority over weather. And here Our Lady doing that. The mighty empress turned to the winds, reprehended them. Do not torment your maker, Jesus, the participant in the creation of the world, and the winds obey the Blessed Virgin. It's really an anticipation of that ministry of Jesus and the miracles he's going to perform. But there's also something, too, about the ongoing intercession of Our Lady against weather patterns. Notre Dame de Prompt Sucker, Our Lady of Prompt Sucker, invoked during hurricane season down there in Louisiana. Powerful against storms. We see it already here during this most solemn procession to the temple in Jerusalem. And then you have the Holy Ghost who speaks to Simeon and to Anna, inspiring them. These two holy persons, immediately conferring with each other about their revelations and enlightenments, call the chief procurator. So they share what it is that they've been inspired with. And in that sharing, they are able to confirm what the Holy Ghost, what the Holy Spirit is saying to them. Do you have someone in your life that you can confer about these spiritual inspirations you might receive? Today was, in my opinion, a very beautiful reading. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'm Father Edward Looney, and I'm reading the mystical city of God throughout the year. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.